Hello, Duncan Green here um, with a roundup of the latest posts from uh, Poverty to Power. Um, but I have to say that my main problem at the moment is stopping my teeth from chattering. I've just been swimming in the local outdoor unheated pool and it was definitely my last swim of the year. I am absolutely frozen and um, I can barely think straight and I'm definitely not going in there again till 2021. Uh, but it's been a good, it's been a wonderful resource and it's kept us sane during lockdown and I'm going to miss it terribly, but it is just too cold. Anyway, I've got to try and focus, try and remember who I am, what my name is and what was on the posts. So the first post this week was the usual links I liked. Um, some nice Africa posts. One, a lovely map of Africa where Mia Cora has um, taken a typical uh, design of cloth from each country and inserted it into the map and you get this beautiful map of Africa. So that was very popular on Twitter and went round and round and round. A more serious one from uh, the Democracy in Africa website, which is doing some brilliant um, decolonizing um, uh, resource guides. This one is a list of researchers and commentators from across Africa who can provide exceptional insights and expertise. So you don't have to ask the white academic, you can actually now have a really good list and they want, um, they want that list to expand, they want people to contribute it and let it grow. Um, recently they did another really good one on um, uh, decolonizing reading lists, something very close to my house at the LSE, with just an enormous range of African-only authors on a range of topics. So we're looking at that in terms of um, my LSE reading list at the moment. And then a more light-hearted piece, um, Gretchen Goldman, PhD, um, was interviewed on a US cable channel, I think, um, on climate change, and she contrasted the picture on the television, which is young academic, very sober background, um, you know, uh, saying sensible things about climate change with the view from the side, which was she was kind of uh, sunk into a sea of toys and chaos because she's home with her kids and trying desperately to keep her appearances up. And I just thought, what a, what a fantastic thing to do. It went completely viral. I think everybody being interviewed on Zoom or Skype should post a sort of parallel picture of what's actually going on around them so you can get that reality check. So kudos, Gretchen Goldman. The rest of the week was mainly given up to three examples of uh, Emergent Agency, this project we're just launching on what kinds of people's organisation is emerging from different parts of the COVID experience. And this is, um, I took three examples from Interface Journal, which is a really interesting uh, online journal. Um, described by one of its editors as a loose collection of small groups of activist researchers, mostly but not only precarious junior academics by day and organisers by night. So on a shoestring with you know, no institutional funding, they are putting together a really good set of papers, often by PhDs, on different aspects of um, uh, social organization in COVID and I, uh, I cut three of them down, three particularly good ones down for the blog for the rest of the week. And this is part of this new uh, emergent agency project we've started where the response has been phenomenal and our challenge now is to respond to the response. So we've got a load of case studies to look at, we've got a load of contacts to follow up, a load of interest and it's really exciting and it's going to be quite, I think it's going to dominate the next six months of my Oxfam time, that's for sure. Anyway,
The first of these three posts from Interface was um, uh, by Shobi Mohanty, who's a PhD student in political science at the Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies in Geneva. And her piece is on, she's looked very closely at emergency responses by civil society networks in Delhi. And her argument is that you know, the shape, the, there's been a massive civil society COVID response in Delhi, but its shape has been, it's been shaped by what was going on when the pandemic hit, which was a massive uh, resistance to the scapegoating of Muslims by the government with new legislation. Um, and that was going on when the pandemic hit, and it's really shaped the way that the response has taken place. So I thought that was really interesting in terms of, you know, what's going on when a shock hits shapes how people respond to that shock. The second piece, which I loved, was by Hongwei Bao at Nottingham University. And its title is Anti-Domestic Violence Little Vaccine, a Wuhan-based feminist activist campaign during COVID-19. And Hongwei is, 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 has looked very closely at what happened in Wuhan, where um, a, 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 um, a small group of feminists who were in lockdown. You know, Wuhan was the epicenter of the, of the pandemic. They were in total lockdown. They started off feeling sort of miserable and then they started getting in touch with each other. And then they started realizing about the impact, the, 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 the spread of you know, the, the incidence of gender-based violence um, during the lockdown. And they started to think what they can do. And they started to respond in, a, in the only way they could, which was online. Um, and Hongwei argues that rather than seeing the pandemic as an obstacle to social movements, it can be a good opportunity to experiment with flexible and creative modes of social and political activism. So the, the, the feminist group spread. They produced posters uh, online, which people could put up in their, in their place of you know, where they were locked down, saying, you know, um, we are part of a, uh, this little vaccine movement. Each person who puts this poster up is like a vaccine against GBV, saying, you know, GBV is bad. We've got to watch out for it. Um, and it spread incredibly fast. It went very viral. And the lessons that Hongwei draws is that the activists chose to address the issue of domestic violence without explicitly identifying or talking about feminist activism. And the reason being that domestic violence is in Chinese legislation. It's an acceptable topic for um, uh, debate and anger. And therefore, they, you know, they, they could take they could do it in a safe way in quite a repressive um, circumstances by, by sticking to the domestic violence. They're also aiming at young people in particular, so they went kitsch. They, their, their emblem was this very cute kitty. There's particular words in Chinese and Japanese which he quotes, which, which are this kind of kitsch um, um, aesthetic, which they use deliberately to try and, you know, to make you look less political and more popular. Um, and he argues that politics based on specific social issues like domestic violence work much better in a situation like China than political identities. So his conclusion was, and I'll read this out because uh, I think it's very good. Firstly, the collective spirit and emotional intensity generated in a time of crisis can be mobilized for active purposes and their impacts are likely to be greater now than in ordinary times. So that's sort of shocks as driver of change. And then departing from an adversarial, confrontational and even hyper visible type of politics characterizing many activist experiences in the global north. People in China and other parts of the global south are working their way through political constraints in their own societies. 
They are experimenting with innovative activist strategies based on specific local conditions and contingent social circumstances. These activist strategies should not be seen as a compromise to a political a priori, but as creative ways of reshaping and reinvigorating political activism and social movements transnationally. So I thought that was exactly the kind of thing we're looking for, this kind of a new look at activism in the pandemic with lessons for everyone, north and south. Really great. The third and final one of those three examples from Interface Journal is by um, Maria Jose Ventura Alfaro, uh, who's at the University of Bath in, in the UK. And her study is on Mexico, looking at feminist solidarity networks and how they've multiplied since the COVID-19 outbreak in Mexico. So what you had in Mexico was in a way really bad timing because just before COVID, there'd been this amazing wave of feminist activism, great upsurge in sort of public presence, demonstrations, people meeting together, all of that suddenly came to a grinding halt when COVID hit. And so what was interesting was how the feminist movement adapted very quickly by moving online and finding new ways to campaign and build community. So there's a lesson there of all three of these is how activism morphs and evolves and responds uh, in response to events and circumstances. And she says, she concludes, independent feminist collectives in Mexico have created solidarity networks across the country to tackle the gravest socioeconomic consequences of the virus at the local level, like shortages of food, medicine, and other essential products, and an upsurge in domestic violence. So some similarities there in terms of the ability to move online and how social movements have adapted and evolved. Very interesting sort of organic sense of social movement uh, activism and, and resilience. Last piece of the week, um, I just stuck up some work I've been doing with Tom Kirk at the LSE, which was up until now, we, we, we together run a course on um, advocacy, um, activism uh, and grassroots campaigning. Um, and uh, it's getting increasingly popular with LSE students. I think we're going to be inundated this year. Um, and up, to, up until now, we just had a standard course reading list. But we saw something which Alice Evans put up where she had turned her course reading list into a little mini book. And we thought that looks great. So over the summer, Tom and I have been doing that. So we've taken the reading list. We've added one page introductions to each of the weeks. There's, a sort of, there's 11 weeks covering 11 issues, everything from the international system to the nature of power to grassroots organization. Um, we've added some seminar questions for students, but other people can use them, a few graphics. And we turned it into a sort of 44 page course manual. So I just put it up on the blog and said, yeah, here it is. Please critique it. Please use it, take it, nick it, whatever you want to do. And I've been really surprised today by the, by, the, by the level of response. This is clearly something a lot of people are thinking about at the moment. So that's been a really yeah, nice experience. And the students are piling in for this course, which doesn't even begin until January and is already starting to look oversubscribed. So we're going to have to move a lot of it online. It's going to be all different, but I'm really looking forward to it. And some of the students I've been talking to in the last couple of days are amazing and it's going to be a lot of fun. So on that upbeat note, have a great weekend. Um, and I hope you don't feel as cold as I feel right now. Bye.